Girlfriends, episode number 139, How to Stop Yelling at Your Kids. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about how you can break the bad habit of yelling, no matter who you're yelling at. This is a good one. Stick around. Here we go. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Thanks for showing up. Thanks for being here. I'm happy to be connecting with you on a new episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. You know I love it when we can get together in this way. I am recording this early in the morning out in my yard, and it's still beautiful summer weather here in New Hampshire, and I will take it for as long as it lasts because all too soon I'm going to be stuck in the house. I just know it. So uh, beautiful, beautiful, really warm days, and we had a beautiful Labor Day weekend, and my parents came up. It was my mom's birthday over the weekend, and we took my mom and dad out in our boat on Lake Winnipesaukee. Just a really beautiful, fun, family-focused weekend with the very few kids we have here. (laughs) I'm very aware of the fact that my family has been cut in half at the start of this school year with kids going away and whatnot. Um, Yeah, I used to have eight kids. Now most days I've got four around here, which I know to many people is still a crowd. And I know even smaller days are to come, but I'm still making that adjustment. I'm still adjusting to that myself. But it's not all bad. And um, like I've talked about in previous episodes where we discuss the art of letting go and how hard that can be, especially this time of year when kids are leaving, Um, there are good things about it. And I'm trying to focus on the positive things, you know, like the other morning when I found myself alone at home with just Danny and Rafe, my two youngest boys, that felt weird, but it also felt kind of awesome. Like it was peaceful. It was quiet. We could do something calm together. I could focus on my work. Uh, there are good things about it. So I'm not 100% complaining. It's just a period of adjustment and there, there's good and there's bad about it. So um, before we get started with this week's topic, I do have to give those of you who've been following the saga of our clothes dryer this summer and the fact that I wouldn't let Dan try to repair it um, because I knew he would take it apart and it would sit in the living room taken apart for I don't know how long. Um, I did let him take it apart this past weekend and... Um, it just needs a belt. So he's already ordered the part. It's going to be here in a couple of days. In the meantime, I'm still enjoying my clothesline. But it's been a fun summer of using the clothesline. I've heard from a lot of you who also enjoy using the clothesline outdoors. But then I had my moments this summer, like hot, humid, rainy days on end. And I had piles of clothes I needed to dry. Not so fun. So anyway, I'll be thrilled to have my clothes dryer back. And um, But I'm, I'm also going to be thrilled to continue using my clothesline. And, um, you know, it's going to be a happy balance between the two. The fall can be a great time for using a clothesline. If you don't have a clothesline and you have the opportunity to have a clothesline, this is a great time of year to put one up because October, September and October can have these beautiful, at least here, clear days with bright sun, some breezes that really just dries your clothes really beautifully. I love doing sheets out there. Anyway, that's the saga of my dryer. I know you care. So I'm letting you know. (laughs) Anyway, this week's topic, we're talking about yelling at your kids, but basically 
yelling in general, because this is something that I've heard from moms forever about way back a million years ago when I was blogging and moms used to write to me with their questions. I remember getting these very timid questions either through the blog, through email, or people would take me aside when they met me in person and just very timidly ask, like, do you ever yell at your kids? And it would make me laugh because, of course, I yell at my kids. Like, (laughs) every mom yells at her kids sometimes. So, first of all, that's the first step in talking about this topic. Let's recognize that this is a problem for everybody. And actually, it's not a very serious problem for everybody. You know, some people, it's just an occasional thing. It's a natural part of family life. It's part of the chaos of family life. And um, you need to just accept that without glorifying it and without fully embracing it in yourself and making everybody miserable by yelling at them all the time. But, you know, recognizing that this is part of how human beings interact and you're going to vent emotions sometimes is perfectly okay, you know? And I I just found that moms in general tend to kind of beat themselves up over this because you you kind of have this idea like I should never lose my cool and I should always be calm and in control and the, the loving, gentle mother. And yes, yes, we should be those things. But at the same time, I think we need to be realistic and everybody has different temperaments. But before we get into that, um, I'm just going to read the email that I got from listener Tracy, which is why I'm taking up this topic this week. Tracy writes, Hi, Danielle. Thanks so much for your podcast. I look forward to it each week and really value your opinions. I have a question for you. As a mom of three small kids, five, four, and two, I find myself yelling a lot, all caps, a lot during our days. It's not always when they're being naughty either. It's just the chaos sometimes that I can't stand and I start yelling or I feel like no one is listening to me and yelling becomes my way of venting. I can even feel my blood pressure rising sometimes as I struggle to maintain control and I don't want to be like this. Is there hope? Can I change? What should I do? Tracy. Tracy, first of all, (laughs) you're in good company, okay? (laughs) Just know that (laughs) from the comments I made at the beginning. Just know that. Um, This is something a lot of moms do struggle with, and especially when your kids are that little. So I think recognizing that is important and to limit the amount that you're going to be beating yourself up. Recognize, too, that everybody has their own temperament their own personality, their own natural way of dealing with frustration. And for some people, it's going to be very silently being passive aggressive. Well, that's not any more pleasant than somebody yelling, right? Um, So, you know, just recognizing that this is an issue for you. And I, I hear you, Tracy. I know you want to work on this. So that's excellent. I think that's really good. So, you know, you've done you've done an important first step, which is recognizing that this isn't how you want to be. Recognizing it's a habit you're kind of slipping into and you recognize it's not ideal and not the way you want to raise your kids. I, I think that's great. So recognize that. Um, but, you know, have a conversation, maybe with your husband. Um, you didn't mention your husband, but I'm hopeful that you have a, a good marriage and that this is something that you could talk with your husband about. Funny thing, when Dan and I first got married, and actually this is ongoing, um, he he was raised in a quiet home with one brother, very controlled environment. <laughs> I was raised one of nine kids in a beautiful, crazy, chaotic family life. And we had, we discovered after we got married, uh, very different definitions of yelling. We just did. <laughs> and we would have so many arguments about who was yelling and who wasn't yelling. And... <laughs> Why are you screaming at me? I'm not screaming. You know, uh, it's so funny uh, when you're outside of it. But in the moment, it's so frustrating. Like, I remember being accused of, of yelling when 
That isn't at all what I was doing. I was kind of venting emotion a little bit, sure, but it wasn't like I was angry yelling at him, you know, and just recognizing that people have different tolerance levels for it. And your kids, too, are going to have their own personalities and temperaments. Some kids, you could yell at them, you know, for uh, for all day and it's probably, you know, they're just going to brush it off and they'll just be like, that's how mom talks or whatever. But another child who might be very sensitive uh, might have a lot more difficulty with that. So, you know, have a conversation with your husband about the fact that you're feeling like this is a problem. And he can help you. He can help to support you. But I'm, I'm going to go through some ideas here. I just jotted down a few notes thinking about this idea of yelling at our kids and how we can possibly do less of it. And the first thing, and this is like, this is pretty much the only thing. I'm going to talk about other stuff too. But honestly, this is what it's all about when it comes to yelling at your kids, especially yelling at your kids, what you mentioned when you think nobody's listening to you, right? Um, it's following through. It's following through on the things you tell your kids to do. And this is huge. And um, yelling is easy and it's lazy. I mean, I'm saying this as a fellow yeller. I know. And I know it's lazy because that's why I choose to do it sometimes. Um, Especially when your kids are little. You are teaching them how seriously to take you when you tell them what to do. So if you tell them, for example, um, it's, it's time for dinner time to put your toys away and go wash your hands, right? And they don't. And then you just say it again and say it again and say it again and then scream it at them because nobody's listening to you. Well, guess what? You have just trained them to not listen to you until you scream. They have learned mom doesn't mean it yet. She's not yelling, right? This is frustrating because we really want them to listen to us the first time we say something. So, That's tough because that's where you put in the work. That's where it's hard to establish that. But the good news is once you've established that, it doesn't take a lot of your time and energy anymore. It takes a lot of time and energy to say things and say things and repeat them and repeat them and then finally scream them and get freaked out on everybody. And everybody's like, geez, what's her problem? Right. That takes a lot of time and energy every single time. Well, if you put the time and energy in early on in that process where there's follow through, Like you calmly say, it's going to be time for dinner, put your toys away and wash your hands. And they don't. If you physically go over to them after that and intervene in whatever way with whatever level of punishment you think is appropriate for them not having listened. I mean, it's going to depend on their ages, right? Because this works on teenagers, too. Teenagers know more than anybody. Mom doesn't mean it till she yells, right? So if you put in that effort on up front, It really pays off in the long term and saves you a lot of time and energy and frustration in the long term. If you teach your kids that you actually mean what you say the first time. And now if this is already a habit that you've established and a way of interacting that you've established, they're going to be shocked when you start following through after that first time. But I promise you, they're going to learn quickly, too. Um, It's really, I think, important. That's why I mentioned your husband at the beginning. It's important to be on the same page with this. And I find that Dan is really helpful to me in this way because sometimes, and I get it, you're just tired and you just want to be able to say the thing and not have to walk over and intervene because they're not listening. And there have been many times where I can uh, count on Dan to be the one who follows through. Like, hey, your mom just said to do this, you know, um, and, and you're you're not moving. Like, 
it's important to be kind of on the same page with that. And so you can have each other's backs because there are going to be times when your husband's feeling tired and is going to be tempted to resort to repeating himself six times before he finally screams at everybody. Um, but then also that you're going to have your times like that. So um, recognize that. And that's the thing. And for me, at least in my own parenting, I discovered that that was the key to pretty much everything when it came to yelling. Uh, I guess we yell for lots of different reasons. You named a few different ones in your message to me, Tracy. But um, this for me is the number one thing. And it's what I witness the most in other people's parenting. <laughs> I'm always just silently observing, <laughs> whether I'm in public or at the lake or whatever. I'm just like, oh, interesting. That's the 17th time she said that. And nobody has done anything. How frustrating that must feel. Um, so, you know, recognize that, um, that I think that this is really the number one reason why people end up yelling at their kids is they've trained themselves and their kids in these bad habits. And uh, a big important part of it is just thinking it through. When you find yourself repeating, it, think it through. Notice it. Notice the fact that you are repeating and nobody's listening. You mentioned that happening, Tracy. So in those moments, tell yourself, am I going to invest the time now or am I going to wait till I freak out and establish this bad habit again that I don't want, that I've said I don't want? You know, Am I going to invest the time now and intervene do the hard thing, get up and go over there and <laughs> make the kid do it and follow through with consequences if they don't. Um, that's that's the toughest battle. But I find that if you invest in that, it really does pay off in the long term because, you know, sometimes you're like, I just don't have time to be like, you know, following through every single time. And I get it. I mean, and we're all going to have moments where it's just not an option to be I intervening in that way, whatever. But for the most part, it is an option and we're just choosing not to do it because the easier thing to do is to ignore it or just keep on um, repeating ourselves until we want to freak out. So that's the first thing I would recommend. And I think it's huge. If you just address this one thing, I bet Tracy and others who are struggling with this, it's going to go a long way toward making you less of a yelling kind of mom, which you want to be. Okay. So the second thing I want to mention is to just listen to yourself and it sounds like maybe you've already done a little bit of this, um, Tracy, the original listener who wrote in. But um, for others, too, I think it's always a good thing to kind of take that little step outside yourself. I remember when all of my kids were little and it was, you know, those are the prime years of frustration. I mean, OK, preteen and teen years come with their own levels of frustration. But it's a very it's a very specific kind of frustration. I think you feel when you're just surrounded by little people who are all pre-age of reason. It can be really difficult. Um, but recognizing that, um, I know when my kids were all little like that and I would find myself struggling sometimes with ha controlling my temper. And I don't generally consider myself a person who has temper issues. I I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty steady person. So I was kind of surprised to find that about myself. But one thing that I found really helpful was this stepping outside myself, um, listening to myself like I was a, a third party in the room or something and kind of evaluating it in that way, learning to evaluate it in that way. Sometimes even pretending somebody was watching could be really helpful because you know what, if my kid's doing X, Y, or Z, you know, misbehaving in some way in public, I'm going to correct them, or at least I did back then, 
very differently from how I corrected them in you know, the privacy of our own home, which sometimes wasn't so nice and wasn't so motherly, wasn't so gentle and loving. Um, so just doing that, I think, can help you um, maybe pinpoint where the disconnect is. Like, am I in these situations? Do I, I tend to, you know, act in this particular way that I wouldn't necessarily do in front of other people. Um, if I heard somebody yelling at their kid like this, what would I be thinking about that? What would I be judging about that? Kind of being that impartial outside judge in your own relationship with your kids. I think it, actually in your relationship with anybody. I mean, for, I'm talking about yelling at your kids in this episode, but honestly, this applies for whoever you might be yelling at. I think yelling is an issue in some people's marriages. Um, I already mentioned our arguments about yelling. Um, or, you know, just something that you in general tend to do. And if you lose your cool in that way, then it's something you recognize you need to address. But having that kind of self-awareness is huge. It's so important. And if you're listening to this, and, um, you know, I'm specifically answering Tracy's question here, but I think this has implications for lots of people in lots of different parts of their lives. I want to encourage you to take that step outside yourself. If, you, if you're a mom of, of little kids and you're mostly spending your day alone with them, be that, be that judge. Be that impartial outside person looking in and, and see what you see and hear. You may not like it. And it might, it might pinpoint some things that you really want to work on. So take that time to really listen to yourself. Another point that I wanted to make, and um, this is huge, and this is something that I've discovered the hard way, is your kids are going to copy you. They're going to learn from you. This is how we interact. This is how we communicate. This is how a mom tells her kids what to do or communicates that she's unhappy. Is that what you want? No, it's not what you want. Um, I think it's really important. And, and I've had this, you know, sometimes I, I've heard like a, a child of mine, you know, reprimanding a younger child. And I recognize the tone and I recognize the language, possibly the sarcasm or whatever is creeping in there. And I know they got it from me. That's a terrible feeling. Um, but just recognizing the importance of the example that you're setting without beating yourself up. Okay, I need to say that. I need to repeat that multiple times in here because I think that's what we moms tend to do when it comes to, you know, this idea of disciplining our kids. We want to do it perfectly. We don't want to mess it up. We assume everybody else is doing it perfectly. We beat ourselves up for the times when we fail. Um, but just in a general sense, kind of evaluating how do I want to communicate to my kids? How do I want to teach my kids how to communicate with one another, to communicate with me, to eventually communicate with their friends, with their spouses, with their own children? What kind of example do I want to send there? Because they're learning all of that from you. And it might come out in embarrassing ways, um, you know, at the church picnic or whatever. I don't know. But um, just keeping that in mind, recognizing the importance. It isn't just about these these little years here um, where you, you yell at your kids every day or, you know, and it's all going to pass and it won't matter. Well, it will matter because they're they're learning that from you. They're, they're going to copy what you do. They're going to take their cues from you about how to communicate with other people, how to communicate negative feelings. This is your chance to teach them healthy ways of doing that. But in order to teach them the healthy ways of doing that, you have to be ready to do it properly yourself. You have to learn the right ways to do it yourself. Some, some of us had terrible examples of this growing up. Some of us were raised in homes and maybe even loving homes where yelling happened all the time. So, um, you know, it's... If this is something you struggle with, it, it might be partly your temperament, it might be your upbringing, it might be a number of different factors, but recognize that you do have the responsibility 
and the privilege of taking it over now and deciding how you're going to handle it now. What lesson you want to teach your kids about this? What example you want to set for them about how to communicate when they're feeling frustrated, how to communicate when they feel like nobody's listening to them? Okay, so... Next up, I wanted to mention this one little trick, and I've seen people use this to great effect, and I for sure use this when my kids were younger, but I still do use it now, is to whisper when you want your kids' attention. This works on really little kids because they're like, what on earth? Why is mom whispering? I got to go over and climb in her lap to even hear what she's saying. And uh, it can be a really good way to kind of break that cycle. If like you, you, um, Tracy, who originally wrote in with the email, was describing moments of chaos in her house where she's feeling like she's venting her own frustration through yelling. And um, for sure, this can be a way to kind of break that cycle. Um, Instead of yelling yourself in those situations, maybe bring all of the tone down, (laughs) bring the mood down and whisper or even it doesn't have to be whispering just talking in a very quiet calm voice um I know that my husband Dan does this with the kids to great effect (laughs) I don't know if it's done on purpose or not but when dad is talking when you know he's angry or upset or disappointed and he's talking in a quiet calm slow manner uh everybody's listening and everybody is trying to figure out how to make him happy. So um, you can definitely use that to your advantage with your with your little kids, but then also with your older kids. In those moments where you're tempted to yell, you know, they're expecting you to yell. So uh, surprise them. Get their attention by actually speaking in an extra calm way, in an extra quiet way. Um, I used to have a friend who I really admired for the way she parented, especially her really little kids, where she would go to them when she needed to correct them she would never do it from across the room you know uh, telling them to put their boots away or, or whatever it is whatever intervention they needed she would never do it from across the room even if it didn't mean yelling from across the room she would go over and get in their space and just enter you know into that with them and I think in a really loving way this is a way that's very deeply respectful of of your children and their autonomy is to when they're very little especially go over and, and get down on your knees and talk to them face to face and in a quiet calm way rather than barking orders from across the room I find it's very respectful and I really admired that about her because we all know that takes effort. That takes energy. That's why we don't do it all the time. And I know it's not possible to do it perfectly all the time, but being aware of that, you know, um, like say they left their coat on the floor and you, and you want to tell them to hang it up rather than, you know, telling them from across the room, go hang up your coat, which could work. Um, just going right over where they are and getting down on your knees and looking them in the, in the face and in the eyes and um, physically being present there with them. And saying, you know, you left your coat on the floor. Is that where we leave coats? Um, Just something very gentle like that. And um, I found, especially in watching my friend's parenting, and she has a very different temperament from me, trust me. Um, So, you know, recognize that about yourself, that maybe not all these are going to work out exactly as you see them working out in other people's uh, family dynamics. But um, just recognizing the value of that. And, and what a beautiful way that is of establishing kind of um, mutual respect inside of the relationship between a parent and a child. And what a great way to get their attention without having to yell. And we all know, and this is why Tracy wrote to me, 
The yelling feels terrible. It feels terrible. It's not effective and it feels terrible. So um, doing these positive things beforehand, kind of intervening beforehand and establishing these habits of parenting, because whether you like it or not, you have habits inside of your parenting. Your habit might be to repeat yourself ad nauseum and then finally scream. Your your habit might be to ignore bad behavior. Your habit might be to yell idle threats that they know you're never going to follow through with. Um, or you can make these kinds of things your habit to go and calmly intervene early on when you notice something that's an infraction. Um, I think that's really important. All right, the next point that I want to make when it comes to yelling at your kids or yelling at your spouse or yelling inside of family relationships at all in any kind of way is to check in about the kind of comparisons you're making between yourself and other people. This is an important one because... I find that when I feel most frustrated with my family, it's when those kinds of thoughts are going through my head. When, oh, okay, classic example, when company's coming over, nothing is more highlighted than your comparisons between yourself and other people than when people are coming over, right? And how many of us spend those last few hours before company comes screaming at our families, right? And, and why is that? Because we're, we're feeling this pressure, we're feeling this comparison, we're, we're making assumptions about how perfectly everybody else has everything all together and how they would never have that kind of mess in their house or a teenager who rolls his eyes like that or whatever it is that's causing you frustration. We're comparing ourselves in that way. And that ends up in a very unhappy place for ourselves and for our families. I even remember this growing up. There was one particular family that I know my mom was tempted to compare ourselves to, and it never ended up in a happy place for us, you know? And um, I think it's important to remember that, especially when, you know, when you're in those, those moments, those moods, it doesn't have to be when company's coming over recognize those times in your life when you are tempted to yell and um, it might just be because of these kinds of thoughts that are running through your head. Maybe you've just, you know, been spending time with another family and you noticed how great their children are at obeying their mother or how, you know, neat and tidy their home was or whatever it is, you know, fill in the blank with what you're tempted to compare yourself to. And it's not fair, you know, recognize where that pressure is coming from. And then um, really, truly, it's an, it's an opportunity, it's an invitation to prayer. And you may not feel that way in the moment when you're feeling so frustrated, but I find it's in those moments that I can really very humbly and in a very honest way turn to God and just be like, God, I am feeling like a mess. I am feeling like I don't measure up. I am feeling like my family's a mess. I am feeling like these people are perfect and they have it all together. You know, help me to see what my role is here. Help me to see what our family's unique mission is here inside of this mess, inside of this frustration that I'm feeling right now. Because the more you're focused on your own mission and every family has their own mission, Newsflash for you, it's not your neighbor's mission. So, you know, whatever awesome things they're doing, that's great, but it has nothing to do with yours, okay? So the more you focus on, you know, turning to your relationship with God and discerning your vocation and all the practical aspects of it, all the nitty gritty stuff about living out your vocation through that relationship with God, the more at peace you're going to be. Even if your life ends up looking completely different from your neighbor's life, it's yours. And you're going to be at peace with that if you've gone through that discernment process and if you're checking in and discerning your self-worth as a wife and as a mom inside of that relationship with God rather than looking at all these exterior kind of showy things. 
And I think that's where sometimes we feel that pressure and then we unfairly take out that pressure on our kids, on our families through that yelling when we feel like we're coming up short, they're coming up short, everybody else has it all together. Okay, so in those moments, check in about how you're comparing yourself to other people, how you might be tempted to compare yourself to other people, what images of perfection you have in your head, and where are those coming from? Be honest about that and really bring it to your prayer life. I find that it truly is a very authentic way of humbling us and, and turning us toward God and, and focusing us on those things inside of our unique callings, our unique vocations as wives and as mothers, as fathers and as husbands, to to focus on those unique aspects of our specific calling and, and refuse to be distracted by all those other things. Sometimes that's really where that, that yelling comes from. All right. Last thing I need to mention, when it comes to yelling is when you mess up. <laughs> We've already talked about this a little bit. It's going to happen. You're not going to be able to practice this perfectly. Even if you have it all figured out how you want to parent, you're going to fall short of it sometimes. And I think it's important. It's an equally important part of the lesson you want to be teaching your kids. If you apologize, apologize to them. Say, you know what? I really lost my cool this morning and I'm sorry. Or let, let's say you, you lost your cool and you inflicted some, you know, totally unfair punishment too extreme or whatever. You, you can go back on that. I, I talked about following through, but I don't mean about stuff like this. Like if you freaked out and lost your temper and, you know, uh, took away their phone privileges for the next two years or whatever extreme thing you might have been tempted to do in the moment. It's okay to apologize and to, you know, amend that. And this is where, you know, having a spouse who is on the same page as you is so very important that they can help you to kind of, you know, step outside of a situation where you might have reacted out of frustration or out of anger and reassess it and then go back in and fix it, make it the way that it should be. And I think it's equally valuable to our kids, to for them to see us mess up and then to make amends, to say we're sorry and to fix it afterwards, an equally valuable lesson, equally as valuable as them watching you get it right the first time. Because they're going to mess up too, and they need a model for that. They need a model for how you fix it after you've messed something up. It's a beautiful gift you give to them. And um, this is something that I also... I try to model inside of my marriage as well, because I think this is such a hugely, hugely valuable thing for kids to see, is see their parents sometimes fight in ways that are unpleasant. I know, that part's not so much a gift. But if they're seeing that, and then they're seeing you say you're sorry afterwards and make up afterwards, such a valuable lesson. I know from my own childhood, my parents have been married 50 years. They're an awesome, amazing, inspiring couple. But growing up, I like never saw them fight. I'm sure they did, but they just had the discipline to do it behind closed doors or whatever. And um, then there was one day where they did have this big blowout argument. I don't know. I was probably like nine years old. And I was convinced they were getting a divorce because I had never seen them disagree. And so, you know, just knowing that and knowing what wonderful parents my parents were, and of course they weren't getting a divorce, but in, in my young mind, I hadn't, I hadn't yet seen a model for that. Um, for, you know, getting in the fight and then making up afterwards. Well, I guess I've made up for it with my own kids because 
Dan and I for sure have had our share of um, ugly disagreements in front of the kids. It happens. It happens. But I, I try to be um, equally as good about allowing the kids to see the full process and modeling for them. Their marriages might look very different. Their marriages might end up being more like my parents where it's much more <laughs> peaceful and calm and, um, you know, that kind of example. But at the same time, I really, I really value, as, as painful as it is sometimes in the process, I really value having given my kids and, and ongoing, continuing to give my kids that example inside of our family life of people can disagree and they can even mess up in the moments where they're frustrated and angry and they might say or do things that are unfair. But then modeling that people who love and care about each other you know, over the long term, like our relationship is bigger than this little moment of disagreement here, modeling for them coming back together afterwards and saying you're sorry, being humble with one another, asking for forgiveness, and really just, you know, working through those areas of conflict in a loving way. Um, as much as we'd rather those those original conflicts in an ugly way didn't happen, I still see that there's a valuable teaching moment in that. So if this is something that you're struggling with with your kids, recognize that the moments where you mess it up, you can use those moments too. You know, God brings good out of everything. You can find grace in everything. So you can use those moments too to model saying you're sorry, to teach them what you value. Say, those are not my values. That's not what I want for you. That's not how I want to talk to you. And I, I, this happened because I was frustrated and I'm sorry. And I think that's a beautiful gift that you can give your kids, even as you're, you're struggling through this yourself. And now that said, I do have to mention the value of going to confession. So not just saying sorry to your kids, but if this is an ongoing struggle in your parenting, in your marriage, in your family relationships in general, bringing that struggle to confession and um, talking to the priest about the ways in which you've failed, um, bringing that to Jesus and asking for forgiveness in confession can be a really valuable way to get grace to avoid that in the future. Too often we forget that that's part of the deal with confession is not just you go there and you list your sins and they're forgiven and and boom, you know. Um, it's the value of it goes beyond that. It goes into your future relationships because you walk away from that confession having the very real graces to help you avoid those kinds of sins in the future. So if this is something you're really struggling with, I really recommend that you do bring it to confession, that you you confess your your impatience and your frustration and your, your anger. And um, God's going to help to heal you of that. He's not only going to forgive you of those sins, but... He's going to heal you of that and give you the grace you need to overcome it in the future. And um, so anyway, getting back to Tracy, who is the original emailer with this question, my heart's going out to you, Tracy. I'm going to be praying for you. I totally get it. And actually, you mentioned, I needed to mention this, about blood pressure. <laughs> you could feel your blood pressure rising. Yes, it's not good for you. And I actually, that, that triggered a memory for me when I read that of when my kids were all very little. And I remember my oldest daughter, Katery, running up the stairs away from me when I was calling her to come do something. And I felt that like, and I heard that like pounding blood pressure in my ears. Like I was so frustrated and angry in that moment. And recognizing that, like I'm having a physical response to the level of frustration that I'm feeling right now. Um, it really is time for an intervention. So good for you, Tracy, for reaching out and for recognizing that this isn't how you want to be and, and for wanting to do something about it. So 
Um, I want to encourage everybody listening to please pray for Tracy. Pray for all struggling mamas, and, and that might include you, um, for you know being the mothers that we want to be and um, giving us the grace to always be checking in and um, looking for ways that we can improve inside of our family relationships. I think it's an ongoing struggle and it's a work in progress for every single one of us. But know that we'll be praying for you, Tracy. I want to take a moment to thank Ascension for partnering with me to bring you the Girlfriends Podcast. At ascensionpress.com, you'll find all kinds of resources for your personal spiritual growth, but also resources that support you in your marriage, your kids' faith life, your family life, and your parish community in learning more about and loving your Catholic faith. You can check it all out at ascensionpress.com. I also want to thank those of you who are joining our special Facebook group, which is specifically and exclusively for listeners of the Girlfriends podcast. It's a closed group on Facebook where we can feel free to share our thoughts, our questions, and really just truly connect with one another. Continue the connections we make here at the podcast throughout the week. If you're interested in becoming a member of our exclusive Facebook group for Girlfriends listeners, you can do that at facebook.com slash groups slash Girlfriends podcast. And there'll be a link in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. And finally, I wanted to mention that I am still booking speaking engagements and your Worth It retreats through the fall and beyond. I've got a few, and actually, I've got a number of inquiries already for Lent 2019. So if that's something your parish or your women's group is going to be interested in having, whether it's hosting the Your Worth It retreat, at that point, maybe even I will have my You Are Enough retreat ready for you, which is going to be a new retreat based on my new book that's coming out with Ascension this fall. It's going to be released October 15th called You Are Enough, What Women of the Bible Teach You About Your Mission and Worth. I can't wait to share it with you. In fact, in another week or so, I'm hoping it's going to be available for pre-order. So be looking for more information about that. But in the meantime, if you're interested in booking me as a speaker to come out to your community, to your parish, if you're looking to host maybe that You're Worth It retreat or look into You Are Enough, you can get more information about that at daniellebean.com. You can click on the speaking tab for speaking events or on the retreat tab to learn more about that event. Thanks, and I'd love to meet you. Danielle, this is Chaya, and I wanted to first thank you so much for doing what you do. I could really, really tell, and I'm sure all of your listeners can really tell, how you pray before each podcast because your words speak so intimately to us and touch us at just the right moments. Um, and that's all God. And so thank you so much for for having the words and being open to um, be a conduit of his love to us <laughs> through podcasting. Um, okay, so here is my question um, for you. So um, with all the scandal and ugliness that has uh, surfaced in the church in the last month or so, I have... Um, acquaintances, friends, and family who used to be practicing Catholics, and then they since stopped practicing um, long before July, <laughs> long before. Um, and there's been uh, a couple times that I've been 
asked or confronted about like what I thought about things, but not really, they weren't really open to hearing what I had to say as much as them kind of venting things out, but they posed it as questions to me, kind of, if that makes sense. Anyway, um, so all these people that I have encountered or that have been somehow placed in my path have um, claimed that this is the last straw and they will never go back to the church. And I try to explain like, well, I, I don't go to church for bishops or priests. I go to church for the Eucharist to encounter God. But um, whenever I say that, I get a pat on the head like, oh, that's cute. That's sweet and good for you. But um, and then still, you know, angry and seething. And um, so I come away from these interactions feeling very sad that I failed and I feel like they were placed in my path for a reason and I, I failed because I don't have any words and I can't, I, I don't know what to say and I'm a loss for words. And then I go home and I, um, I, the only thing that they can see is that I still go to church. I haven't lost my faith. Um, and maybe that's enough, but maybe not. And what do you say? What, what do you have any words of wisdom in that regard? Thank you, Danielle, so much for everything you do and um, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for that, Chaya. I think many of us can relate to those feelings of frustration right now um, and those feelings of helplessness and powerlessness in the face of overwhelming evil and the negative effects of that throughout our church. Um, you know, some of the saddest stories I've been witnessing among my friends have been among those who have kids, either young adults or teenagers who are kind of teetering on the edges of their faith. And this latest round of scandals is giving them the perfect excuse to say, well, you know what, this is actually not for me. And um, yeah, a lot of times we are left just kind of wordless and powerless in the face of that. Like, what can I say? What can I do? But um, Chaya, I want to encourage you to recognize what you said at the beginning of your little message to me there, which I so appreciate that you took the time to record that. Um about the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to you through what I do here at the podcast and um, just apply that to your life and your methods of evangelization inside of your relationships um, that it's not us and nothing could be more true than that. And I've experienced it not only through things like podcasting and through sharing through writing and retreats and whatnot, but I've really experienced it inside of personal relationships. Like we have people that, you know, relatives of ours that we are very close to that we know and love. And, and I have at times found myself feeling frustrated, like I can't make him go to church. How do I how do I make this happen? How do I make this conversion take place here? You know, and it's in those moments that I need to recognize. And I think maybe you need this reminder as well inside of those relationships that we care so very much about. And that's why it's painful and frustrating, but that it's not us who does it. It's the Holy Spirit and he can do all things and recognizing that. And yep, he'll use us weak, broken, messed up vessels to do his work, um, and yeah, we need to be open to the ways in which he might be calling us to do that, especially inside of our personal relationships. But don't waste time feeling upset that you didn't have just exactly the right words that were going to convince that person to come back to the church in that moment. Um, as as frustrating as I know that is, 
that's not what God's calling you to do. That's not the role he wants you to play there. And um, you're, you're on to something there. Very honestly explaining why you are staying in the church. You never know how deeply those words are penetrating or the seeds they might be planting, even among, you know, small children who might be listening. Maybe you're never going to get through to that <laughs> Uncle Joe or whoever it is that you're trying to get through to. But maybe somebody else is listening and watching your example and that it's speaking powerfully to them or it will at some point in the future. So I understand that. And, um, you know, you saying you walk away feeling like you failed. Oh, I think a lot of us can relate to that. Um, but don't underestimate the power of your own example, your own honest answer when people ask you. And I think that this can also speak volumes is being open. You mentioned that they have this anger and they have this seething and not responding defensively to that because that's the temptation, right? Like this is my faith. Like you're standing on the outside of it attacking like this. Um, but recognizing it and just meeting them where they are, I think is really a powerful example to people. I've definitely experienced this in my own life where um, if you can just very gently and in a positive and in a loving way, receive that anger and recognize it. Um, I mean, you know, a lot of times it's anger at injustice. It's, it's anger at things that are truly evil and wrong. And we can share in that anger. We can share in that frustration. Um, but we can show them that we're having a very different response to it. And um, I, I love that you you share with them about the Eucharist, a very powerful thing. And for many of us these days, that's why we're here. <laughs> like you said, it has nothing to do with Bishop so-and-so or Father so-and-so. It has everything to do with Jesus and the fact that the church is where we have the sacraments, where we have the Eucharist. So I want to say you're doing a good job, Chaya. So <laughs> don't beat yourself up. I understand the levels of frustration you're feeling because sometimes we just want to be able to, you know, say those magic words. We want to be the one who um, convinces somebody or, you know, opens their eyes to this new truth. But often it doesn't work that way. And um, just being that prayerful, steadfast example of faith, unwavering faith, even in the face of terrible things going on, recognizing the terribleness of evil and the presence of evil, being honest about that, not, you know, not setting an example of kind of being having blinders on about it, but um, but being steadfast in your faith, despite that, that my faith was never about those things. You know, I think being that example is really powerful. And I think you're a more powerful witness to the people around you than you realize. Just be open to the Holy Spirit using you in whatever way he has planned inside of those personal relationships. And I'll be praying for you, Chaya. And let's all pray for Chaya, but also let's pray for one another during these dark times, during these difficult times. I think it's a real opportunity for us to come together in prayerful support of one another in in ways that maybe we took for granted before. This is an opportunity to really focus on why we're here, why we're Catholic, why we say this is important to us. Um, it's painful to go through that process. It's painful to have to defend ourselves and defend our faith in moments like this that are sometimes embarrassing even to admit that we're Catholic. Um, but I think it really is kind of a refining process where um, this is an opportunity for us to grow as a faith community, grow in support of one another, um, and, and really focus on why we're here why this is important to us. What do we value about our Catholic faith? So let's pray for one another through that process, even as we are continuing our commitment to pray for healing for victims of sexual abuse by clergy and other members of the church. Truly important that we 
don't lose sight of the fact that as much as many of us have been hurt and many people we love have been hurt, nobody's been hurt as directly or as devastatingly as those who have been victims and their families inside of the church. And there are so many. And um, we're, we're learning about more of them every day. So I think it's really important that we focus our efforts there and that we continue to have these conversations like Chaya's question brings out about why we are Catholic and what our role can be inside of the future of the church, even in difficult times like these. If you want to send me feedback like Chaya did, you can just record on your phone. That's what she did. Just leave a, a make a voice recording on your phone and send it to me at danielle at daniellebean.com. Or you can send me a good old-fashioned email at that same address, danielle at daniellebean.com. Reach out to me on social media. No excuses. You can find me. We can connect. And I would love to hear from you. And in the meantime, I want to thank you for being here. Thanks for showing up for another episode. Thank you for all the ways you share and for the feedback you offer. But most of all, thanks for just being here. Thanks for listening to what I share and for being a valuable member of the community of Girlfriends listeners. I am so grateful that you are here with us. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.